Hello, and welcome to the Once Again podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. On today's episode, we will be discussing Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 5, That Still Small Voice, written by Jane Espenson and directed by Paul Edwards. It premiered November 27, 2011, and had a viewership of 10.69 million. A brief synopsis, as Graham makes Emma a deputy, a mysterious sinkhole appears on the edge of town and Henry's life is placed in danger, while flashbacks show Jiminy Cricket's yearning to leave the family business. To go into the recap, the title card has a Rumpelstiltskin spinning wheel, although I don't think we know it's his specifically at this time. We just know it's we a spinning wheel. We don't know, but I do, I do find it interesting that that's what they chose specifically mm-hmm. for this episode, because it doesn't yeah. really have anything to do with the episode. Yeah, he is he is briefly in the episode, but um, yeah, you're right. He, it's interesting to pick him. You'd think they would go with something like the umbrella or something yeah. that plays out in the episode. but Or just a cricket and... In I general. wanted to mention here for the audience that those who know that I'm reading the reawakened the Once Upon a Time book that goes along with this mm-hmm. season, they don't just kind of gloss over this entire episode. There's no chapter for it. They briefly mention that Marco and Archie are friends in another chapter, but otherwise, this goes completely un like disregarded. I have my thoughts on why, but we can talk about that at the end of this. Is there anything about uh, Henry going into the mine or anything or no? No, like the oh. whole thing is just, there's nothing. It's like, it that doesn't happen at all. Well, I guess we'll go into it as the episode goes on, but um, it is a very visual heavy episode with the, mo- the, the ending, especially. Maybe you can't really describe that from the books. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, I guess I'll say this now is I think this is the first episode we get where we don't really get all the other episodes so far have kind of been a backwards look at how events happened in the Enchanted Forest. This is kind of a weird one-off where we're not really getting the main plot line of the Enchanted Forest. We're still kind of getting a weird- a background anti- character. Yeah, we're getting a background of a random character, but yeah. we're not getting the main plot line backwards like we typically are. Yeah, you're probably right about that. So I don't think it was important to the book. I think mm-hmm. this is you know, this is one of those one-off episodes. I don't mm. think it really applies to the book storyline. Well, getting it right into the episode, in the Enchanted Forest of the Past, Martin and, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Myra? Myrna, I think. Myrna. Okay, that makes more sense. They never actually say their names in the episode. They don't. But uh, Martin and Myrna uh, put on a puppet show. Their young son, Jiminy, moves through the crowd stealing from various members of the audience. He slips into the family caravan unnoticed by the audience. And I I put a small note here saying that Myrna's uh, puppet has the line of saying, I wish I was better at wishing. And it just made me think, you know, given it's Jiminy Cricket and everything, his song, When You Wish Upon a Star. That's true. I think that's definitely more prevalent later in the episode. Oh, oh, definitely. yeah. Yeah. Later, Jiminy and his parents pour over the items Jiminy acquired. Jiminy pulls a cricket cage out of the bag, exclaiming that he loves crickets. His mother calls them trouble, and Jiminy replies that crickets can do whatever they want and that they're free. His parents respond that Jiminy is also free to do what they want. Uh, Jiminy suggests that he might want to be different, be good, and not steal. 
His father tells him that good is another word for weak, and his mother tells him to let them think for him. His father tells Jiminy that he is who he is and there is no changing. Jiminy re reluctantly agrees and Martin declares the problem solved. In my notes, I put that his parents' costumes remind me of Helena Bottom Carter and Sasha Baron Conan in Les Mis, but I, in my research, found out that they were supposed to look like the cat and the fox from the Pinocchio movie. It's been some time since I watched Pinocchio, so I didn't pick up on that. You know, I didn't pick up on that either. Hmm. That makes sense now that I'm like thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the recesses of my mind, I'm like, okay, that is what that looks like. But just the way that they not exactly rhymed each other's sentences, but they had wordplay together where yeah. they were going back and forth between their sentences. It just gave me the Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen. Oh, 100%. Helen yeah. You know what it is? I don't think I've seen Pinocchio, like the animated film in so long that I can't really relate back to this for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not on my top Disney lists. Um, there's only one other scene that kind of made me think of Pinocchio. Well, I guess there's two scenes that made me think of Pinocchio, but we'll, we'll get to them later. In present day storybook, Archie Hopper is having an office session with Henry Mills. Henry declares that Archie wasn't always a cricket and that and Archie asks the boy why he thinks Archie is chimney cricket. Henry replies that Archie is a conscience helping people see right from wrong. Archie asks if all the crickets in Storybrooke were once people and Henry gets up going to the window telling Archie that there are no crickets in town. Archie suggests that it may not be late enough to hear crickets, and Henry replies that the town has never had crickets, and Archie has never noticed. Archie asks him if he thinks that's proof there is a curse, and Henry replies in the affirmative, but explains that he knows it isn't enough and he is looking for more. Archie asks the boy why it is so important to him that his theories are real, and Henry replies, it just is, and Archie tells him to keep thinking about it. You know, I only thought here, and like, it's something that I think I think about more as this episode goes on is, they all think he's delusional. Like Henry, even by their own standard, should be in a psych ward at this point. Like, yeah. well, the only just... reason he's not is because Regina knows he's telling the truth. Well, you're not wrong about that, but he also is only 10 or yeah, 10, right? Not 11. Um... Accurate, but like he also... I think he actually is 11, but like he doesn't have. It's, it's tough with uh, children that have active, overactive imaginations. It's, you know, you don't. I just think he would be seeing more than one psychiatrist at this point, like not just Archie. I yeah. think like if this was the real world, he would definitely be getting help from multiple sources because yeah, this, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tough too with kids because once you put them in, like once you check a certain box and say that they're a certain way, the kid starts to live up to that. Yeah, uh, that's true too. Way. Moving on, at the Storybrook Sheriff's Department, Emma indignantly holds up a deputy's uniform, questioning the tie, telling Graham that she won't wear it. Graham gives her a badge, urging her to wear that. As she clips it to her belt, a tremor rocks the office. Alarms are heard going off outside and the phones begin to ring at the station. 
My only note about this scene was Emma's line saying, you don't have to dress a woman as a man to give her authority in regards to Yeah, I had that same note. Yeah, and I was just like, you go, girl. Like, yeah. But that's that's all I have. Although, I guess we could discuss how her taking another action, like when she stayed, the clock started to move. Now she's becoming a job. Yeah, and an earthquake occurs. Later, Mayor Regina Mills arrives at the entrance to Storybrooke's mining tunnels, which has experienced a collapse and a crowd gathers. Marco explains the situation to Ruby. Emma and Graham arrive on scene, and Regina tells Graham to create a police perimeter and asks Marco to help the fire department. She tells Emma to leave as the situation is official town business. Emma replies that she now works for the town and Graham explains that Emma is a new deputy. Regina expresses her displeasure at not being informed and tells Emma to help with crowd control. Graham gives her a nod and Regina addresses the crowd as Archie and Henry arrive. Regina tells the town people that she plans to make the dangerous mining tunnels safe by collapsing them and paving the area. Henry confronts her, asking what's in the tunnels. Regina replies nothing, telling her son and the crowd to step back. She picks up and pockets a piece of glass from the ground, an action that Henry sees. He asks Emma what it was, and Regina tells him to wait in the car, then tells Emma and Graham to close off the area. My only note about this was Graham saying to Regina that it was in his budget to hire Emma. And I was wondering, like, is this a code? Is he partially awake? And uh, uh, But later episodes. Yeah, were, yeah, I think we know that that's not true. But, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, my thing with this is mostly like, I know why Regina is there immediately, but like. Regina shouldn't be there. None of these people should be there. Yeah, the like, crowd and everything. I, I Like, I, it's a little crazy that everybody just kind of shows up and nobody seems to leave at any point. Like, they all just yeah. kind of are there the, almost the entire episode. Well, I mean, like, Ruby, what are you going to do? Like, why are you there? <laughs> like, Ruby uh, is there to look good. Yeah, this That's is it. true. This is true. But what what is Marco's job? He is a tow truck guy? remember actually yeah because i mean he's the one well we'll get to it but he has the crane and everything yeah. like that uh it's just i i guess i could get why he's there but it, and and a crowd would form you know when disasters happen in the real world people show up to try and help and everything but you know none of mo- the majority of these people should not be there nearby seeing that his mother is busy talking henry gets out of the car and beckons to archie and emma who join him at graham's squad car he tells them that the situation calls for Operation, Operation Cobra, which includes Archie, and that they can't let Regina pave over the tunnels as something might be down there. Emma claims that they're just old tunnels, and Henry p- points out that they collapsed just after Emma arrived, and that Emma is changing things and weakening the curse. He asks her if she did anything different, claiming that something made the tunnels collapse. Regina approaches, telling Henry to wait in the car and Emma to do her job. Emma walks away and Regina confronts Archie. She tells him that they need a new treatment plan, that Henry thinks her every move is some part of a horrible plot. She points out that Henry thinks she is hiding something in the old mine and asks the doctor how that could be logical to her son. Archie tells her that Henry has a great imagination, and Regina claims Archie has let it run wild. Archie tells her that it wouldn't be right to rip away the world Henry has created, 
Regina chastises him, reminding him that he works for her and she can fire him. She tells him he will lose his office, his house, and she will cut him down until his umbrella is the only roof over his head. Archie quietly asks her what she would have him do, and Regina tells him to take the delusion out of Henry's head and crush it. Uh, I just, Regina's not a good parent, Emma's not a good parent, there are just no good parents in this episode, like. No, I, I liked uh, Archie saying that he didn't realize he was an Operation Cobra, which kind of goes back to how we talked about previously, Emma and Henry had talked in Archie's office about, like, how they're going to fool Regina and expose her and everything, and we mentioned, like, Archie already bet- betrayed you once, Emma, what are you doing? I guess, he's just in Operation Cobra, like it was just assumed. And then I I also wrote down how when Regina came over, Archie was like beelining it away. He was hopping off away from Regina as soon as she interrupted the trio. And he had to come back towards her when she said she wanted a word with them. Henry's imagination, you know, could that play into future storylines with him, you know, being an important character down the road? I mean, I could see that as a possible thing. I think... I'm not sure that's what they meant at the time. I think, oh, yeah. you know, him being, no, it could I, be a lot of different things. Yeah, just something that, you know, you're right. And then I liked Regina's line of saying, you take the delusion out of my son's head and you crush it. And she really emphasized the crush. Like she crushes other things? Perhaps? Oh, yes. In the former Enchanted Forest, Jiminy is now an adult and his parents arrive with their wagon at the site of a small market. His mother comments that it's been a good year. Her husband agrees and suggests that they run the elf tonic scam. Jiminy protests, saying they make good enough money from the puppet show and they don't have to steal. Martin claims that they steal from the crowd and the crowd steals from everyone else, to which his wife calls it an economy. Jiminy tells his parents he wants to quit And both of them claim that they're old and Jiminy needs to stay with them until they die. They leave their son, telling him to set up as it begins to rain. A short while later, rain is falling heavily as Jiminy sets up for their puppet show. A young boy approaches him, claiming, excuse me, a young boy approaches him, exclaiming that he has a wonderful job. When Jiminy makes no reply, the boy asks if he doesn't like his job. Jiminy replies that he doesn't, and the boy asks him why he doesn't do something else. Jiminy says this is just who he is, and asks the boy if he came to watch him set up. The boy replies that he came out to listen to the crickets. Jiminy tells him that he hasn't listened to the crickets in a long time, and tells the boy to hurry home or he'll catch a cold. The boy tells him that he will too, and gives him his umbrella. Jiminy takes it, and is visibly moved as the boy hurries away. My only note about this is Jiminy's parents haven't aged a day, but he looks like he's 40. Yeah, I'm amazed. I've never really questioned it before, but especially towards the end of this episode, like, how old is Jiminy? Yeah. Like, officially, because, you know, at the end of the episode, you know, I'll just say it now, he, he's basically told he can live, he needs to live as long as he has to live. So, like, what does that mean? Yeah, and... Well, I'll just spoil it right now. The young boy is Geppetto. And in the real world, he's Marco. And he's an old man. And Jiminy is still only in his 40s. So I guess while he was a a cricket, he didn't age at all. 
yeah, that's my only thought. Hmm. Like, there's just no aging. And I know he was told he can he will live as long as he needs to to help Geppetto, but again, what does that mean? Yeah. For some reason in my mind, maybe it's a later episode that establishes, like, that retcons this, but I, for some reason, thought that Jiminy's parents weren't really his parents. Like, they found him or something. Maybe I just made that up in my head. I don't remember that, but you'll okay. never know. You, so they, I, you, I could just not be remembering it. So. Yeah. Well, they probably actually are his parents then. In Modern Storybook, Marco enters Archie's office. Archie asks him what he's doing there, and Marco, Marco gestures that they want he wants to go get lunch. Archie realizes this and tells Marco that he has another patient, suggesting that they do lunch at another time. With a smile, Marco tells him that's fine. Henry enters the office, and Marco tells him to have a good session as he leaves. Henry asks if he's recruiting Geppetto for Operation Cobra, and Archie asks why Henry thinks Marco is Geppetto. Henry replies, Geppetto is Jiminy Cricket's best friend, and Marco is Archie's best friend. Pacing, Archie tells Henry that he needs to talk about his theories. And Henry interrupts him, telling him that he knows where to get proof. He unzips his backpack, showing Archie the contents, a flashlight, and a candy bar, among things. Archie deduces that he plans to go down into the old mines. Archie tells the boy that it isn't a good idea, but Henry replies that since Emma arrived, things are happening and he has to look at it. Frustrated, Archie tells him that there is no proof and all of his theories are a delusion. He tells Henry that a delusion is not real or healthy and that he thought Henry would outgrow his ideas, but they've become a psychosis. He tells him that a psychosis means he doesn't know what's real and what isn't, and that if it continues, he'll have to lock Henry away. He tells him to stop for his own good and that this nonsense must end. Without a word, Henry gets up and leaves the office with Archie visibly upset. So what annoys me about that scene is in between this and obviously Henry running away, Archie does not call either Regina or Emma to be like, hey, Henry wants to go down in the mines. One of you needs to go grab that boy right now. Yeah. No one's looking out for this poor kid at all. You're right. I didn't realize that watching this Like, episode. obviously, Henry ends up going to Emma's first and then the mines, but, like, mm-hmm. Archie doesn't call to let them know about that beforehand. No, no. That's very strange. The only thing that I picked up on, and it's in my notes for later, but the candy bar that Henry has, that brand of chocolate or candy bar is a Lost reference. The same brand oh. showed up on the TV show Lost. At Storybrook General Hospital, Mary Margaret plays a game of Hangman with David Wilbur. Mary Margaret asks if he played Hangman a lot before, and David responds that he doesn't know, looking perplexed. Mary Margaret assures him that his memories will come back, pointing out that he'll be going home in a week, so he must be progressing. David says that he's physically progressing, and Mary Margaret points out that making new memories are just fine. She asks if he wants to play again as Catherine, his wife, arrives, asking if she can play too. Awkwardly, Mary Margaret gets up to leave, and Catherine jovially wishes her a good day. She sits down with a box of pictures in front of her husband, saying she hopes that they'll help him remember. As Mary Margaret looks on nearby, Catherine shows David a picture of their old dog, Ajax, 
David takes the picture, reacting as if he remembers the dog. Uh, I have a few notes here, but is there anything you'd like to say about it? I mean, there's not really much to say. It's mm. it's a very uncomfortable scene. Mm. All these early scenes with them, especially when they're like trying to do the will they, won't they. I paused on the, the hangman that they were playing on. And, uh, you know, it, it's revealed in the episode that it was Mary Margaret's name that David was trying to make her guess. And to me, like I looked at the guest letters and the unguessed letters, and it really stood out to me that she didn't guess M or T yet. Because uh, those are both very common letters in the English language. It, it just, you know, I don't know, made me laugh. And I, David said to her that he would have never let her lose the game. He would have, uh, you know, drawn a hat, a horse maybe, and some toes on the hangman to keep to keep her guessing. Which is cute. Mm-hmm. And but also, also, really, that's what he went with with ha- hangman. I still, like, surely yeah. there's a million other things he could have. Well, he doesn't remember much, so. <laughs> Excuses at yeah. this point. Uh, and my final note is just that the dog's name was Ajax, uh, Ajax, and Ajax was a Greek warrior king from the Trojan War. Just, you know, Abigail slash Catherine, Midas's daughter, Greek mythology, tying it all together. Sometime later at her loft, Mary Margaret's making s'mores with Emma, telling her she's the worst person in the world, referring to herself, Mary Margaret. Emma objects, saying, really, the whole world? Mary Margaret responds that it would be easier if Catherine wasn't so nice. Emma asks, what would be easier? Uh, Mary Margaret hurriedly replies, nothing. Emma tells her getting involved with a married man is not worth the heartache, as if she has some experience. There is a knock at the door, and Emma opens it up to find a tearful Henry. My only note about this scene is that they eat s'mores, they drink hot cocoa. How do these ladies keep their figures? More importantly, where's the wine, ladies? We are adults. Well, I think in the next episode, they do have some liquor together. They do have like whiskey or something in the next episode, but like they drink a lot of hot cocoa for people in their like 20s and 30s. Yeah, no, you're right. Later, Emma bangs on the door of Archie's office, getting no response. She enters and confronts Archie, reminding him that he told her destroying Henry's fantasy would devastate him. Archie replies that when therapy is not working, one must adjust it. Not satisfied, Emma asks if Regina put him up to this, asking what could be strong enough to drown out his own conscience. Standing, Archie tells her, that he doesn't need to defend his professional decisions. Emma's phone rings and she answers telling Regina nice work. Regina asks if Emma is with him, referring to Henry, but Emma assumes Dr. Hopper, to which she says yes and starts ranting and Regina interrupts telling Emma she meant Henry. Emma replies that she dropped him off at Regina's office and Regina replies that he isn't there. Emma tells her that she doesn't know where he is, and a perplexed Archie tells her he knows where the boy is. And this goes back to my point earlier of why didn't Archie call anybody sooner to be Mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, so you know, your son is trying to go into the mines. Maybe don't let him out of your sight. And it's also funny, in pilot, Emma gets in trouble for supposedly breaking into Dr. Hopper's office and stealing Henry's patient file. Uh, but here, after becoming a deputy, she actually does break into his office. I didn't think about that like that, but that is funny. <laughs> yeah. 
At the site of the collapse, a determined looking Henry enters the mining tunnels. In the past, alone in his dark castle, Rumpelstiltskin spins straw into gold. Jiminy arrives, giving the wizard a, a sack of stolen goods and a list of names of their owners. Rumpelstiltskin pays him in a gold thread, dismissing him. Jiminy hesitates, and Rumpelstiltskin deduces that he wants something else. As he places a bit of gold thread into a tree, adding liquid from a small bottle, the sound makes Jiminy jump, and he desperately confesses that he wants to leave his life, but something is holding him back, his parents. Rumpel transforms his concoction into a small bottle of liquid, telling him it's what he needs. He gives it to Jiminy and tells him to leave it where they are. After the potion is used, he will collect them. Jiminy asks what it will do, and the wizard claims his parents will be in safe hands, and Jiminy will be free. My only note about this scene is that it, is this the first time we saw Rumple making gold, like spinning straw? This is the first time, which, okay. you know, that is his story. But I found this interesting just from the perspective of we see that Archie comes bringing stolen goods, essentially. So now we at least kind of have some idea how Rumpel gets a lot of his items. Maybe this is how he gets info, too. Mm -hmm. He pays lowly peasants and con artists like Jimmy's family to basically steal items for him. I'm assuming assuming gather info at times as well. Yeah, it was was interesting. At first, I thought, why, why would he bother having people do this? Like, he could just steal the things that he needs himself. But then I thought more about it and I was like, oh, you know what? He can literally turn straw into gold. Uh, something, you know, these people want go- would want gold desperately. Like, why would he bother putting himself out there to do the things when he can just make gold and give it to them and have them do the things? Yeah. At the site of the collapsed mine, Emma, Archie, and Pongo search for Henry. Pongo finds a candy bar, evidence that Henry has gone into the mine. Inside the tunnels, Henry walks along a track and discovers another strange piece of glass. He examines it, and another collapse begins. As the ground shakes, Archie enters the tunnel, but falling rock seals him inside before Emma can follow. Archie moves forward slowly, calling out to Henry, who arrives, assuming Archie is there to help him in his quest. Archie implores the boy that they need to get out, but Henry runs off, telling Archie that he will, quote-unquote, see, and Archie follows him. For me, this was the second Pinocchio reference, I'm guessing. Uh, Like I said, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I do remember there being a part where they're working in mines. I don't remember that, so... Like, uh, I I seem to remember, like, the young boys that uh, got captured had to work in the mines, or they would get turned into donkeys. That's what's in my Yeah. I don't really remember. Uh, I do have, is this the first time you get Pongo's name here? Like officially get Pongo's name? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, because, you know, that's our 101 Dalmatians reference. I don't think we ever get a Purdy in the series. Just Pongo. I don't think we do. Sexist. Um, I think because Pongo's the more like. Famous one. It's uh, weird enough, but it's the the very Disney name, because when you hear the name Pongo for a dog, you're going to assume your person probably named it after Pongo from the movie. Yeah. And also, if I'm remembering 101 Dalmatians correctly, he kind of 
is the dog of action. Like he goes yep. out to rescue them and everything. He comes up with the idea of covering themselves with the soot and all that. Yeah. In the past, at night, Jiminy and his parents approach a small cabin. Jiminy attempts to persuade his parents to not do this tonight, that they don't need the money. His parents remind him that it's not about the money, but the principle of the theft. His father gives him a small bottle of elf tonic and knocks on the cabin door. The trio are greeted by a young couple, Stephen and Donna, which again, I don't think we ever got their names in the episode, but it was in the wiki. So here it is. Jiminy half-heartedly asks the couple if they have a place for the three of them, and the, cu- the couple offers their hospitality. Inside the cabin, Jiminy and his parents enjoy a meal provided by Donna and Stephen. As the two couples sit at the table, his par- uh, Jiminy's parents begin their con. His mother mentions that she can't get it out of her mind, that family, and her, his father agrees, catching the young couple's attention. The older couple explains that there is a plague affecting the next town over. Stephen, alarmed, asks if the plague is coming their way, and the older couple says that they are okay, that they are immune because they have elf tonic. They ask the young couple if they have any, and Donna responds that they've never even heard of it. The older couple expresses their shock, and Jiminy chimes in again half-heartedly, exclaiming that they need elf tonic or they'll die. His mother laments that they don't have any extra, and Jiminy adds that there is no extra. Donna quickly suggests that she and her husband could pay for the elf tonic. His parents make a little show, claiming that they need the bottle for themselves, but the young couple insists they must have something the older couple would want. My only notes about this is that their lines saying made by elves from elves and four out of five court physicians recommend it. The fifth one died before you could try it. It is such a good, like it's a good con. It's a good scene. Like everything about it is funny. It's comical. Yeah. It's a good comical scene. I mean, it's still a little sad because of the payoff of the scene later, but like it's a great scene. I actually, upon rewatching this episode, thought to myself, is this the like darkest origin story? I kind of think it might be. This is a very, very messed up origin story. Like, especially because it deviates pretty heavily from oh, like yeah. Yeah. the actual source material. Like moving on, uh, a short time later, the con is complete. Jiminy's parents leave the cap- cabin carrying sacks filled with whatever valuables Donna and Stephen had. A conflicted looking Jiminy gives the couple the elf tonic and leaves. Jiminy confronts his parents at their wagon, expressing his outrage at scamming good people. His parents respond with their usual lines regarding to being ones to take rather than be taken from. Jiminy takes out the bottle Rumpelstiltskin gave him, listening to the crickets for a moment. With anguish on his face, he apologizes to his parents, telling them that they've given him no other choice. He splashes the liquid on them. They looked shocked for a moment, but their expressions changed to smirks. Horror dawns on Jiminy's face as his father reminds him that he is good at sleight of hand. Jiminy realizes whatever was in the bottle from Rumpel had been given to Donna and Stephen. He hurries back into the cabin as his parents laugh. Back inside the cabin, Jiminy finds the empty bottle on the floor just inside the doorway. Gazing around the room, 
he discovers two wooden puppets sitting on the bed. Rumpel's potion has transformed the young couple. Shocked, Jiminy stumbles into a nearby chair. His parents enter the cabin laughing and exclaiming that they have new puppets for their act. At that moment, the same young boy Jiminy encountered in the market, who showed him kindness and gave, gave him his umbrella, appears in the doorway carrying a bucket of water, calling out for his parents. When the boy discovers what has become of his parents, he demands answers from Jiminy. Jiminy does not respond, but the horror and anguish of his own actions is clear on his face. And like I said, my, my only note here is uh, that I think this is the back, the darkest backstory. Oh yeah, once. it definitely is. I, you know, I also question like, where was Geppetto this entire time? It's oh, been yeah. hours since they first showed up at the cabin to begin mm. with. Play this con. Well, something that I want to, I want to start organizing my trivia notes more organically into when we're recapping the story. But one of the trivia things and something that stood out to me as well was this young Geppetto has no Italian accent and yet Marco slash Geppetto has a very heavy Italian accent oh yeah it's just interesting I mean you know you could say he moved away make what you will of that yeah Yeah. but it it was just funny to me I guess it would have been too much of a giveaway if the young boy came up to Jiminy and was like oh hey you need an umbrella (laughs) like I suppose yeah in present day storybook Henry and Archie find an elevator shaft. Not knowing that above ground, Emma and Regina have taken the suggestion of blasting the main entrance for Marco, which results in the elevator carrying Henry and Archie being lowered even further after the blast takes place. My only note, well, I have one note written down, one note in my head. My note written down says, Emma to Regina, uh, we have to stop this. Arguing won't accomplish anything. And Regina saying, no, it won't help me. Because Henry's in trouble, the two of them are coming together. To I, I do this. like that they're slowly coming together in this mm-hmm. episode, even if they get ripped apart mm-hmm. pretty badly two episodes from now. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. And the note inside my head uh, that I didn't write down was when Archie is trying to crank the elevator shaft, he says to Henry, come on, like, help. Like, what is this 11-year-old going to do? Like, you're a fully grown man. He's not going to be able to help you turn it anymore. Moving along, at the hospital, David admits to Mary Margaret that he doesn't remember anything that he saw in the pictures, although he claimed otherwise while talking to Catherine. As Mary Margaret notices David becoming more attached to her, she still feels threatened by Catherine's presence. Yeah, nothing to say about that. That's as straightforward of a love story as possible. Inside the elevator, Henry asks Archie why he refuses to believe that he is Jiminy Cricket. Archie acknowledges that he might share Jiminy's personality and, in a similar fashion, to his alternate past, yearning to be free from being told what to do. Meanwhile, above ground, Emma finds the opening of the elevator shaft and volunteers to go down, where she succeeds in rescuing Henry and Archie. Archie tells Regina that he will continue to see Henry And if she attempts to interfere, he will take actions against Regina and have her declared an unfit mother. Regina backs down after Archie's threat. I do love here that, you know, come together and go, yeah, he's he's both of our sons in some way. Not that Regina cares after the fact, after Emma saves him, but, you know. I only have here that Regina volunteered to, to be lowered down, saying that he's 
her son, Emma says, he's my son too, which is, I think, the first time in the series that she acknowledges that Henry is her son, like says those words. And Archie hooking his umbrella to Emma's harness, like the elevator was going to fall and it seemed like Archie was going to die, but he was able to hook his umbrella to her harness. And then Archie is the first person besides Emma to stand up to Regina. And it's really Pongo that does a lot of the work here. Yeah, yeah. You gotta he, thank Pongo for doing literally 90% of the work. Yeah. yeah. Apparently but, nobody went and got blueprints or did anything useful. No. Moving along in the Enchanted Forest, after realizing what he's done, Jiminy makes a wish and receives an answer from the Blue Fairy, who shows up and gives him his one true wish, becoming a cricket. Jiminy is also told that he has a chance to help someone in the future, starting with the young boy who would grow up to become Geppetto. Here I have written that Jiminy wishes upon a blue star, which brings the blue fairy, obviously a a Pinocchio reference. Uh, His first wish was to bring back the boy's parents. Which they can't do because he can't mess with death, so... You know, also reading this, how the notes have this too. If Jiminy's also showed that he has a chance to help someone in the future, are they referring to Geppetto? Are they referring to Pinocchio? Pinocchio. Are they referring to Henry? Because are they referring to Emma? Because who who is the person? And if that person no longer needs help, is that when Archie dies? Like I don't, I don't understand how this works. He does have the opportunity to help more than just one person in the future. I would imagine, I don't think the Blue Fairy has, like, foresight, like, seeing the future. So I would imagine she was more so referring to either Geppetto or But they also all know about there being a savior that's supposed to save for great evil. They do know that that is a thing that exists. That's true. Is the Blue Fairy the oldest character in the show? I mean, like, she, she's obviously older than the Black Fairy that shows up later. She's older than the Black Fairy, so she's older than Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine she is, in fact, the oldest. Maybe she does have some sort of foresight powers or something. I mean, uh, you can argue, you argue that the Dark One powers itself mm, is older than her, maybe. Which I guess would make Merlin the oldest character. Oh, well. We'll, we'll answer these questions as they, uh, ho- well, hopefully we'll answer these questions as they arise. I, I do still think, like how we mentioned previously, it'd be interesting to do a timeline episode. Maybe when we do the timeline, try to cover the characters' births and everything like that. Something to think uh, about. But I do want to mention, because like, I don't think you have it in your note. Hmm. Yeah, there is, you know, we do see kind of little pan of Mr. Gold's shop again. Oh, yeah. Those parents, the dolls in the shop again, which is, Remember I said last episode that they were in the shop. So I guess that was a bit of a foretelling that they were going to be there. Yeah. And they 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 pan on that in another They are episode. also in the shop next episode. But then mm-hmm. I don't think we ever see them again. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we don't really hear anything about this episode ever again. Yeah. Like, I think most of these characters kind of disappear. Well, like we said, this, this episode's pretty dark. It's dark. It's a one-off. Yeah, maybe, maybe they thought, ooh, too dark. We're not going back there again. Maybe, because we never really hear what happens to Geppetto's parents after the fact. Like, Yeah. He just becomes a cricket and goes off. Do yeah, they care? Right. Where are they? Hmm. That would be interesting if they were someone else's parents or something, but it is what it is. 
And in the final scene, Mary Margaret submits her letter of resignation as a volunteer at the hospital. Uh, outside the mine, the workers and the crowd chat and drink and begin to celebrate. Regina looks at the object she had in her pocket and throws it down the shaft, where it is revealed it is a small shard of Snow White's glass coffin. I mean, I think this is an interesting perspective because we know this isn't true, but like, I feel like this gives off an illusion of maybe Storybrooke and the Enchanted Forest are connected mm -hmm. somehow through this shaft because I think that was kind of the visual thing they were going for. We know that's not true, but... yeah. Yeah, why why would she bring the coffin over? Why is it why why are we not allowed to know it's that it's down there and like mm -hmm. why why is it so far down? Like I do think it's supposed to give the illusion that they're connected, but they aren't actually physically connected, so it's weird. Well, my whole thing with the tremors slash earthquake that was occurring uh, later on, we find out that there is something else down underneath the town. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, is Emma waking that up by becoming the deputy sheriff or? It could be. I kind of, I forgot about that, mm -hmm. that that was an option. My only notes about the final scenes is Henry pointing out that the crickets are back and things are changing and that Mary Margaret's letter of res resignation is for Storybrooke General Hospital, which just made me laugh because ABC General Hospital. <laughs> yeah. Although many hospitals are just named General Hospital. Yep. Uh, I also have here that there was a deleted, there were two deleted scenes. The first one was titled Blood is Thick, and it would have been scene 37 or 38. While walking alongside his parents, Jiminy protests what is going on and wants to leave them. He feels bad for the boy whose parents he turned into puppets. He tells his parents just to leave him but they threatened to have him arrested for what he did to the boy's parents and what he tried to do to them. They tell him to get in the back of the carriage because he is just like them. And then the other deleted scene was a scene with a teenage Jiminy who was played by actor Morgan Ralph, Roth, not entirely sure how to say it, R-O-F-F. Roth, I would say. Roth, Morgan Roth, and his parents at the marketplace uh, this was filmed, but deleted in post-production. However, the scene can still be seen in the behind-the-scenes photos from the episode. I have a little trivia here. Dr. Hopper's dog, Pongo, is a direct reference to 101 Dalmatians. Uh, in the film, Pongo was the male dog owned by Mr. and Mrs. Dearly. At Dr. Hopper's office, one of the items in Henry's backpack is a candy bar called Apollo, the same brand found on Lost. Uh, Jiminy's parents dress similarly to the fox and the cat from Disney animated film Pinocchio. The title refers to a quote by Gandhi, which refers to that still small voice of conscience, or, and I think more likely, a quote from the original Pinocchio story, a conscience is that still small voice that people won't listen to. And then some production notes. Emma asks Henry if Marco is Archie's father, even though Mar Marco told her in pilot that he doesn't have any children. Even though we know that's not true, but obviously he doesn't know that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, cursed Marco doesn't know that he has any children. And an abandoned idea, the scene where the crickets are heard in Storybrooke for the first time was originally slated to be a visual effect with crickets hopping at ground level, but the production crew decided to go for the sound effect instead. 
which I mean, they already had so many visual effects. They had the blue fairy going on. Yeah. Well, I also crickets are kind of uh, creepy looking, so I'm glad it was just a sound effect, not a visual. Well, thank you for joining us at the Once Again Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us, you can email us at onceagainpod at gmail.com or tweet us at onceagainpod on Twitter, all one word. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you.